0: The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. I'm joined by Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at uh, The Independent, and Keir Doherty, uh, presenter of The Tonight Show on Virgin Media One. It has been, guys, an extraordinary week in UK politics. I mean, to have a Chancellor, he's what the second shortest period that the Chancellor has remained, but to have a Chancellor fired for doing precisely what his Prime Minister wanted him to do,
1: it's amazing. And I think the other Chancellor, it's Ian McLean, isn't it? I think he had a heart attack. Isn't that why? Um, am I correct on that?
0: This is the, the shortest, the shortest. Sh- serving Chancellor.
1: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> its I just can't get my head around it. It's absolute chaos in the UK sometimes I'm sitting over here and I'm thinking it's so entertaining but obviously it's not entertaining because we need a strong economy in the UK but uh, the coverage today in the papers talking about what was going on behind the scenes yesterday the idea of Quasi Quarteng you know over there in Washington on Thursday saying I'm not going anywhere then summoned home on the plane getting on the plane thinking he was coming home to announce this U-turn on the corporation tax and then by the time he arrived in Heathrow it was clear that his job was gone some accounts saying that he learnt it on Twitter at half eleven you know 30 minutes after landing in Heathrow he was sacked um, but, but it's, sacked it's her. for
0: delivering on the policy that they expressly said they would deliver I mean it wasn't that he did a, a solo run and came up with something novel no it's her
1: it's her policy which is why she won't survive this either. I mean, there was a a headline in one of the tabloids in the UK today um, basically saying how long will Liz Truss remain? But the remain is spelt R-O-M-A-I-N-E like a head of lettuce because I think, is it the Daily Express? The Daily Star. The Daily Star has a, a live stream of Liz Truss and a head of lettuce basically to see which one survives the longest. This is off the pa- back the, of a piece in The Economist that basically said, uh, you know, she's really had about seven days of power given the fact that, uh, you know, for the first couple of weeks of but, her premiership, uh, the can, Queen can I just, had died.
0: Can I wallow in this a little because I think it's extraordinary. We have a situation where a British Prime Minister who is in essence feet under the desk only for about two weeks because of the period mm. that was lost uh, to Queen Elizabeth, who is being measured by whether she will outlive a lettuce. Mm.
2: Yeah, and you see, this is where I disagree with Kira fundamentally on the first point that she made. It is incredibly entertaining. <laughs> and we should enjoy it because, right, it's all going to go SH1T uh, for going, all of us. Going, you, We will feel the effects of these bad winds that they are creating. But let's enjoy it for the first few minutes till we realise that it's going to hit our economy and the contagion that comes with it. Because the idea, I mean, when the Daily Star in the UK, and I, I know a lot of listeners may not be entirely familiar with the UK Star, but if you think our tabloids are tabloid, the Daily Star in the UK is not a serious paper. They splash more Mm. often on uh, spider attacks and UFOs than they do on politics. But it is now the most credible source of political coverage in the UK because day after day they just call out how ridiculous the circus is. So there is this thing of who will last longer. They have a lettuce and it's wilting um, but not as fast as, as Liz Truss. And like, there's a, the coverage of it is just so fascinating. Like, it's stuff that we would never get away with writing here about, mm-hmm. no matter what you might think of Stephen Donnelly in health or or whatever, Robert Troy and his housing problems. I mean, there's a quote in The Guardian today, which is that, uh, it's like someone vomited all over your expensive rug. You can wipe it up, you can scrub it with varnish, but the odour still lingers. Now, that's a reference to the Prime Minister of the United yeah. Kingdom in The Guardian, which is the serious newspaper. So yeah. you can imagine where the tabloids are at.
0: But She's the thing just, that I don't get in this is what we have had a long history of issues with the British that I don't think we need to um, disinter. But there was always a sense that whatever you might say about them, there was a base level of competence within the public and civil service, mm. and that the machine would sort of gather together even the flakiest of politicians and keep them on the rails. What has happened to that?
1: Liz Truss, Brexit, <laughs> and Brexit, I suppose, is yeah, is what it always goes back to, and how they have just struggled, I think, to you know find a vision for the country since Brexit. But you know, it was. It was faltering under Boris Johnson but now it has utterly imploded given just... How incredible the mini budget was and the impact that that has had on the markets. I mean, it's difficult to see, I think, where it goes from here. I don't think she's going to survive this. I don't but think. Before it's, we get to her, survival, she, she even can't think of the mini budget. Zero credibility left.
0: The mini budget required the Bank of England effectively to step in to save sterling. But even the Bank of England is talking at both sides of its mouth, with, on the one hand, saying that we are going to stop the bond purchase, and then saying, well, actually, no, we're going to keep rolling it on for a while. And saying, How can even the Bank of England have been infected
2: by apparent incompetence? Because it's so unbelievable. It's so unbelievable what is happening that you would blow up your own economy in the Mm. rapid fire way that they are doing it. It reminds me a little bit of, do you remember back when we all knew the IMF were coming and uh, Dermot O'Hearn was standing, I think in Dublin Castle doing that doorstep, shaking his head going, no, we've heard nothing about that. No, no, no. And the whole world knew the IMF were coming. It's exactly like that because Liz Truss steps out at that press conference yesterday, answers the four questions in which she repeats our growth plan. Jeremy Hunt goes on the round of BBC Sky News all that this morning and basically went yeah so austerity that's what we're doing now. Now he didn't use the word austerity but everything he described was austerity Um, and so even from this time yesterday this morning it's a completely different plan again and tomorrow morning in the Sunday papers it'll probably be completely different again. So it's just wild. So how could the Bank of England give you uh, a steady answer to be honest and
1: that press conference yesterday I mean I don't think she was ever going to save herself but she did have an opportunity I think to try and reassert herself and maybe you know remind people that she is meant to be a competent person but she just looked like a rabbit in the headlights she was so uncomfortable she exited stage left I mean I was texting you know my colleagues on the tonight she saying uh, okay getting the popcorn out mm. for this press conference it is going to be so entertaining and apparently the microwave hadn't pinged and she was gone you know she just couldn't she couldn't take those questions Do you want another
2: quote from the papers today in the UK? <laughs> her performance was so wooden to get rid of her would be deforestation <laughs> I still think
1: oh, it's <coughs> almost the cruel, but they've brought it on themselves. I think that's the most incredible part of all of this, that neither of them, Quasi Quarteng or Liz Truss, or their advisors said, before we launched this incredible mini-budget on the economy, let's just maybe test the waters here, you know? You know have you heard about leaking and just mm-hmm. seeing what the reaction is? And then, you know, given the fact that it was... How would you describe that plan? Bonkers. Well, well, apart from bonkers, you know, that, that it was it high was risk, very a significant high roll risk. of the dice. Yes. Because you could see there was a logic
0: it. to it to say we will prime mm. the pump, the markets are in behind us, we'll do this as a big debt-fuel growth plan and we will just uh, effectively double down on our way through this. So you can see the logic to it, mm. but surely you would have thought that they have enough economists knocking around to go no, 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 no,
2: it ain't worth the candle. But it's an ideology. And this is this is the problem now for the Conservative Party is that there are so many ideologies within the Conservative Party but they have let a little bit like when Labour let Corbyn take over and it was ideali- driven by ideology. That's what's happened here and that's going to be very hard now to cleanse because there are going to be people even if they get rid of Liz Truss who still believe in that ideology. So the whole thing is a mess for the Conservative Party. Well
0: this goes to a, the. Uh, I was reading a book recently about a crowd in the 1950s called the Guardians or rather there was a cult dedicated to aliens called the Guardians. And this is a real instance researchers um, managed to infiltrate the cult. So they just sat and wrote what all these people were doing. And the cult had a, an expectation that I think on December 4th at midnight, they would be taken by aliens. So they're all sitting around watching, waiting for this to happen. They've sold all their worldly goods. They've gotten themselves ready for the aliens. Midnight comes and goes, no aliens. And you would think at that point that everybody would say, well, we got this one wrong, lads, let's go home by three o'clock in the morning, they were more committed to their beliefs than they had been yeah. before the failure of the aliens to arrive. That's the bit that worries me with the Liz Truss thing is the evidence of it going wrong will not necessarily convince the faithful that it isn't working.
2: No, well, I mean, Brexit is your prime example of that. There are those, I mean, that are more Brexit now than they were at the time and still refuse to understand that the cues at Calais are because of Brexit and not French incompetence. Um, so, yeah. Oh, have- I
1: still think there's more and more people in the Conservative Party now who are looking at this mess and seeing that this ideology is completely and utterly flawed Particularly when they look at the polls and they think of an impending election, I think. Well, what do they
0: do? I mean, what do you do if you're if you're the Conservative Party now and you're thinking, well, okay, she's a busted flush, but how do we replace her and how do we? not oh, I'd that say
1: what people are doing is going on Indeed.com and looking for <laughs> their next <laughs> career plan because I mean, so many of those Conservatives are now just going to lose their seats. I mean, they have become a, a laughing stock, uh, and you just don't come back. From well, see, that. we were
0: talking last week to um, Bertie Hearn about this, and he was saying, if you look, she has effectively two years left. They can't handle the embarrassment of. Going going through another major electoral process within the party and there's no guarantee they'll end up any better if they do it. So effectively, they're all, they have to just say, well, we're...
2: Well, if you want, to, given the way they are, if you want to be the next Conservative leader slash Prime Minister, the best thing you could do is, if, if they get rid of Liz Truss in the next couple of weeks, is call the election. You're going to get gutted anyway. But now? Better, better, better get gutted mm. now than come back, leave Labour with that mess to sort it out because otherwise, you'll stay there for Everybody two years. Everybody the job, Kevin. No, no, but you know what'll happen, Anton. You'll get you'll get two years, right? Maybe a year and a half. You'll have to call your election. You'll get gutted then, and then they'll. Def- out you again and they'll have a new leader of the party so if just you actually take want to run it, if you want take to run pain. out take the
1: bad medicine yeah. that's what I would be doing too because you're not coming back for this so you might as well just go over to the opposition benches lick your wounds and then try and regroup the four years who still have seats <laughs>
0: on the current numbers <laughs> Lobby Grant and Boris comes back in uh, by the way we're talking to uh, Kevin Doyle Group Head of News The Independent and Keir Doherty, presenter of the Tonight Show on Virgin Media 1 closer to home the uh, big news this week of course is what's going to happen in the HSE in respect to the winter plan we are being warned that there is the possibility of Covid and flu waves but at the same time we're being told that money is being poured into the system to try to deal with the endemic and permanent waiting list trolley crisis that we get every winter Would you be optimistic that it is going to stave off the problems, care?
1: Oh, I want to try and be positive I really do There's about £170 million being put into this winter plan but a lot of that money apparently has already been allocated when I read about the winter plan, I can't help but roll my eyes to heaven and think another winter, another winter plan. You know, I heard um, you know one of the elements of the plan is to recruit another 608 um, healthcare staff into the HSC, but then you have the head of the Irish Hospital Consultant Association coming out this week and saying, yeah, that includes 50 consultants, but you know what? It takes 500 days on average to recruit a consultant. So not only is the re- consultant not going to be in place for this winter, it's unlikely they'll actually be in place for, you know, next winter. So, look, th- these targets are always to be lauded. You know, we can't just sit back and just accept that it's going to be, you know, another crisis in the health service. But, I mean, look at the targets. 236 people in hospital trolleys, never going to be achieved. I mean, it's average about five, six, seven hundred 700 every winter for as long as I can remember. I don't see it being any different. And the other targets, over 75s, To be waiting no more than 24 hours for a hospital bed, I mean, to think that is still a target in 2022 is just... It's a disgrace. So but no, it, I'm not, I think. And it's, it's interesting. It, to, I am not optimistic.
0: When you juxtapose some of the numbers that you're talking about in terms of the investment in trying to recruit within the system, mm. because it, it, beds means people. You have to have the medical staff there. We have seen this week billboards for advertising mm. for Australia to say, come over here, you medics. You have much less, uh, you work lower hours. You get more money. You have a nicer quality life. You get to spend the weekend on the beaches. Mm. Very hard to compete with that with what we're currently offering medics, isn't it, Kevin?
2: Yeah, come over here for the winter crisis. um, it is and and like to be honest those advertising campaigns well there will be some people that will suit of course whatever stage in life they might be at Mm I'm not sure it's going to get um, young nurses or doctors who are who are living on the other hemisphere to to go, do you know what, I'm going to pack the bags now and I'll be home in time for the start of December to get the heavy lifting of it. Um, it's just not going to happen. So it'll suit a few people, but they're probably the people who are going to come anyway or going to come and maybe in the next year or two that they were moving back home, it was always part of their plan. It's not going to land in this sudden drive of people, I think. But what's interesting, and Kira kind of touched on it there, but like, another winter plan. I don't know why we have to come up with these winter plans every year in the same way. So we know winter is coming. It's always coming <laughs> and we always get to October, November and come out with a plan. Um, I mean, there are elements of it that's slightly mm. different this year. That's welcome, like this talk about the focus on certain hospitals where the, the chronic overcrowding is. The talk of a crack team being sent into to Cork mm. and Galway. But when you're talking about sending in crack teams, to to hospitals because of the the number of people on trolleys, you're kind of already have lost the battle, haven't you? But Mm -hmm. what is interesting is that today, Anton, is exactly two months till we will have a new cabinet, 15th of December. And I would think if you were to look across the cabinet as it stands, the man whose job is most Mm -hmm. at risk is Stephen Donnelly. So he has to deliver something in the next few weeks to show that what was talking about in terms of those targets are going to be possibly met.
0: Although the general practice seems to be that if you're a Minister for Health and you discover that your job is at risk, you take that news with great relief and hope you'll get a much easier portfolio. (laughs) Except he
2: might get no portfolio, which is a different thing.
1: And I don't know if there's any judgment anymore, is there, for a Minister for health to go in there and to to fail, to fail to turn the health service around. I mean, I don't think anybody seems to believe anymore that there's a minister in cabinet or that there's a backbencher that can go in there and, you know, make this significant difference and give us this health service that we are paying for. So, I, you know, I think he'll come out. It's almost like a blooding. You survive it rather than deliver anything in it. Uh, in, in fact, in fact, there might be some people who say congratulations you survived it. You mm. actually didn't get fired for the last two and a half years. And there will be some people who will say, OK, you know, he's not the most popular figure, uh, I think, uh, within the party and he's not the most popular figure within the public. But perhaps when it comes to things like COVID, um, that, there were elements of that that were well managed. It'll... Time will tell.
0: Can we talk about one final thing? Just I want to get your views on it. Tell me whether I'm I'm wrong in this. The uh, Irish women's football team obviously having an extraordinary success during the week and then ending up mired in this thing about the uh, Republican Fenian chant in the dressing room. I thought it was interesting the level of apparent core affection that there is for that team because if there wasn't that there this is the kind of issue that becomes the, the millstone around your neck forever mm. whereas there seems to have been a general national consensus of let's move on from this they're a decent bunch of people
1: well, I think the reason that that's the attitude is because this is a song which I heard during the week, which I was a bit uh, shocked by. That this is a song apparently that's sung at, you know, eighteenths and twenty firsts and parties all around the country on a regular basis. I heard that from a number of the contributors to our program. It's a song that is that people sing, and what they really really mean is you'll never beat the Irish. That is quite harmless. Now, I personally don't see it like that at all. I actually can understand that people are offended by this song and I think their offence is warranted. But how, can you, like, how
0: is there any way to, to interpret Up the IRA as anything other than Up the IRA?
1: Well, perhaps if you're a younger person and you feel completely disconnected to what happened in The Troubles, um, you don't see it like that. And that song has come to represent something different for a younger generation. It doesn't necessarily mean... Up the IRA, or I support the IRA. I don't see it like that. I have to say, but that was the, the the point of view that I heard during the week, and I think people took the girls at face value that they were caught up in a moment that it was one of a number of songs. You know, there was a moment of ecstasy, and that they never, for one minute, thought about what they were singing. I do accept that. But uh, what I do find disappointing this morning is to read in the front of the papers that the song has gone to number one in the charts. I think that's a bit of a two fingers to those people who lost loved ones during the Troubles. It is and currently
0: in the download charts number one, is it? Yeah,
1: yeah. it is. And on the, yeah, on the iTunes charts. And I think, I do think you know and and I know you'll be criticised for this I do think it points to an immaturity about how we view the troubles uh, and what I happens think we've changed, and our own relationship with it I think
2: what what it showed you a little bit Antoine and you're right we're moving on very quickly because we need a good news story at the minute and I think people are latching on to the, the goodness of what happened during the week but I think it's interesting that as a there has been a change in Anglo-Irish relations in the last few years, which we know, so, so, British-Irish relations, Anglo-Irish relations is the wrong term for reasons. But anyway, the there has been a change, I think, since Brexit and the talk of United Ireland that wasn't there five or six years ago that is there now. And I think this has been seen as kind of a song that you sing as two fingers to the Brits. Um, but that loses the meaning of the past. And I think it is a question for wider society, mm. which is kind of a way of, I suppose, letting the girls off the hook on it, because it is extraordinary that it is seen as acceptable that you would do that, that no nobody thought that's not the thing to be doing. Mm. And that's a question. So when people got really offended about the Sky News um, presenter asking one of the team, do you need an education about this? I don't yeah. know why people were offended. I get that people are like, oh, the Brits giving yeah, us an education. Is, but but just, I'm sorry. You a question. They can need an education, but we can also... Do it a bit of an education around things, so I think we we should move on. But I think that we should also realise that that song should just disappear now. Kevin,
0: Kira, thank you both very much for coming in this morning. That is Kevin Doyle, Group Head of News at uh, the Independent Group, and Kira Doherty, who is presenter of the Tonight Show on Virgin Media One. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.